This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Before we have prayer, I want to ask you a question. What is the last message that we, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, have been commissioned to give to the world? The three angels' message. What else? Righteousness by faith and the everlasting gospel. That's something we need to remember. The three angels' message, I grew up thinking... Yeah, we need to warn the world about the Sunday law that's coming and about the Pope. And yes, we do. But there has to be a reason. I can't just say I'm going to switch going to, you know, which day I go to church on and that's going to get me into heaven. I mean, it's not. The Sabbath is a sign of something that has happened inside. It's a symbol of what's taken place on the inside. So if all we do is change which day we're going to church, we've got a form of godliness, but no power. And we don't want that. Okay, let's, uh, let's go ahead and open with prayer, and we'll get started. And you all pray for me as much as I'm praying for you. Father in heaven, Abba, Yehovah, we are your children, your sons and your daughters, by creation and by redemption. And Father, we come to you today, not because we're worthy, but because your Son is worthy. And you have chosen us in him from the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before you in love. Father, you have also made a promise to us. You have promised that before your son returns, you will cleanse your sanctuary. And Father, that sanctuary is our hearts. Your word says that we are your temple. Father, we ask you today, as King David did, create within us a clean heart. Wash us with the washing of the water of your word. Father, deliver us from every satanic bondage. We ask you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
the roots of that tree. We remember when Eve was tempted in the garden. And um, I want to encourage you to do some reading on that. Go through Patriarchs and Prophets. Look up the word Eve and garden and hypnosis or mesmerism. We were told that Eve and Adam were hypnotized. Now, it doesn't mean that you're, you're stupid. It doesn't mean that, you know, the devil got their attention and all of a sudden they didn't know what they were doing anymore. But he used words to hypnotize them. And it was actually a form of NLP. And Ellen White says that Satan attempted to do the same thing with Christ in the wilderness. He attempted to engage Christ in conversation. And Christ refused. Even being the Son of God, He refused to converse or to have a conversation or to debate with Satan because He knew as our representative, as a human being, the moment you begin reasoning with Satan, you'll lose. You'll lose. Christ stood on one thing, the Word of God. Thus saith the Lord. It says when he came to resurrect Moses and the devil was there disputing, he said, the Lord rebuke thee. That's it. Didn't argue, didn't condemn. He just said, the Lord rebuke thee. The scripture tells us, be not unequally yoked or joined together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? And what inheritance has he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. You look that word living up, it means life-giving. There is no other God out there that can give life. We are the temple of the life-giving God. For God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them and I will be their Elohim. That means their mighty one, and they shall be my people. And then the Lord goes on and tells us, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons, and my daughters. There is, <clears throat> there is an illusion that was first introduced in the garden. And it was, it was actually yin and yang. Here in the States, a lot of people call it yin and yang. Pronounced in Chinese, it was yin and yang. But that, that doesn't matter. But what this philosophy of yin and yang teach is the foundation of 
every Eastern practice in the world. It does not matter if it's iridology or reflexology or Reiki or Kung Fu or karate or it, it doesn't or Aikido. Every every pagan Eastern practice is based on this philosophy. In this philosophy, they view the entire universe as being divided into two sections, yin and yang. <clears throat> There's some basic examples there. Yang is typically typified as uh, fire, as male, as active. Um, yin is typically shown to be feminine, softer, uh, darker, quiet, more subtle. They say that everything in the universe is based on this philosophy and that without both parts, nothing would exist. That's what the Chinese philosophy is. And whenever I talk about the Chinese or the Japanese or the Filipinos, I'm not at all prejudiced, trust me. So I'm not talking about people, we're talking about the pagan philosophy that came out of uh, an ancient culture. There was a reason why when Paul asked the Lord to let him go to Asia that God forbid him. It wasn't time. It was not time. But I have to tell you, the time is now. There are, there are men and women in China right now that are raising up the gospel, and they are marching and carrying the gospel like we've never seen in our country. But in this philosophy, the yin and yang symbol that we see today, it has a little bit of light in the darkness and a little bit of darkness in the light. We see that everywhere now. When I was growing up as a young man, you didn't see that everywhere unless you went to a martial arts school. But I want to show you something that most people are unaware of. That symbol came in different forms over the years, and it still takes different forms. Same philosophy, same principle. These are some of the original. On the far left, that's called an inso. We also know it today as the Ouroboros, if you have ever done any study on the occult. The Ouroboros is actually a serpent swallowing its own tail. That idea came from the Chinese, from the Taoist. The Taoist said that was the universe in the beginning. And then they say that the universe actually split and there's a dot in the center. I don't want to get people on conspiracy theories, but you look at the books that are being published, and if there's an O, and it's got a dot in the middle, it's not by accident. You, can't, you don't put something on a book and go, oh, I don't know, that's cute, let's just put that on there. It's on there for a reason. That circle with the dot in the center... I saw that symbol over and over and over again in the 25 years I was in the martial arts. And it didn't matter if it was in my Aikido books or in my Chinese Qigong books or in the medical Qigong, it didn't, or Shaolin. 
I saw that symbol over and over and over again, but I never paid attention to it. I was like, yeah, that was one of the original symbols of, um, you know, the yin and yang. When the Lord was bringing me out, the year that he started opening my eyes, he brought that symbol to my attention. And uh, I talked about this on the, the Dragon Revealed, the original set. But I went into my advanced class one night and I told them, because I knew what I was finding, but how do you tell students that have been with you for 10 or 15 years? I mean, they become like family. I was actually spending 8 to 12 hours a day, every day except for Sabbath, at the dojo, at my school. I saw, I saw my wife and children maybe for three hours a day, except on Sabbaths or Sunday. But I saw my students at the school much more. So I was trying to figure out, how do I share with them some of these things that I'm finding? And the Lord gave me an idea. He said, go into the advanced class and have them do some homework. Let them find what you found on their own, because then they can't get angry at you. So I, I drew that circle with the dot in the middle of it, and I drew it up on the chalkboard, and I told everybody at the beginning of that class, I said, I want you all to go home this week before our, our high-level class next week. And I said, I want you to look that symbol up and find out what it means. If you guys want to come up, we still have room up here um, if you all need a, a seat. So what I did was, is I sent them home with that, with that homework assignment. Well, they all came in the following week, and you could have heard a pin drop in the room. Nobody wanted to talk. There was no laughing. Um, everybody was very somber. And I asked them one at a time to get up and to share what they had found. And some of them had looked in Wiccan books, you know, white witchcraft. Some had looked in black magic. Some had looked in tattoo uh, books on tattoos. Some had looked in martial arts. Some had looked in um, Egyptian hieroglyphs and Babylonian tablets. And they had done research that far surpassed what I thought they were going to do. And every one of them found the same answer no matter where they looked. You know what they say that symbol represents? The sun god. The sun god. Well, that symbol of the, the circle, the inso at the top, and then the circle at the dot, it changed until you had this one down below. That same symbol is used by the Filipinos. When I was studying in Filipino uh, Kali, they used the hexagram, a six-pointed star. One star or one tri, uh, triangle is called the male. The other triangle is called the female. And it's joining those two that gives you power. The yin and the yang is the same thing. It's the union of light and darkness. The union of fire and water. The union of male and female. And you see this Buddha over on the right? Do you see what's on his chest? A swastika. When I first saw that, I thought, what? That's a Hitler sign. What is the Buddha doing with a swastika? 
And then I saw film footage of the Shaolin Temple, and they were doing um, a big display back in the 70s um, in front of this huge group of people, thousands in China. And you know how we have uh, marching parades, and they'll do little patterns, and they'll make signs out on the ball field? That's what the Shaolin monks were doing. And they were going through making all these elaborate symbols. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, all these bodies of these Shaolin temple monks, they formed the swastika. And I thought, I need to look that up. It's yin and yang. It actually is a symbol for the sun god. The joining or the union of male and female, light and darkness, good and evil, Hot and cold. Now we're going to go through. I've got a number of slides. I'm going to go through these quickly. These are some of the original Ouroboros or the Enso. The one on the bottom is a Japanese Enso. The one on the right, that's an occult Ouroboros with the serpent swallowing its tail. Over to the left is the symbol for Madame Blavowski's Theosophy Society. Now you see she has the hexagram, she also has the swastika, and she also has the Ouroboros. Now I'm also, I need to let you know this, I'm not anti-Semitic, I'm not against Jewish people, okay? But I do have to tell you, after 25 years, the Star of David cannot be found anywhere in the Scriptures. There is no Star of David. When you trace back the hexagram, what you will find as far as a biblical reference, when Solomon went into apostasy, he began worshiping Ashtaroth and a lot of the pagan gods because of the wives he had joined himself to. When he went into apostasy, being the wisest man that had ever you know, been here on the earth, he became heavily involved in the occult heavily. And one of the books that is credited to him was a book of magic. And that symbol was one of the symbols that he said could be used to channel and control demonic spirits. Now that's what the book says. The Bible doesn't give us that information, so we'll have to see. I have no doubt Solomon repented. The scripture is very clear about that. So we'll be able to ask him those questions soon. This is Albert Pike. He was one of our Civil War generals. He is also one of the highest and most revered Freemasons in the Western world. He wrote the Bible for Freemasonry called Morals and Dogma. This quote comes from that book, which is required reading for every Freemason. He said, yes, Lucifer is God. And unfortunately, Adonai, or Jehovah, is also God. For the eternal law is that there is no light without shade, no beauty without ugliness, no white without black. For the absolute can only exist as two gods. Darkness being necessary to light. That's yin and yang philosophy. 
When you go to somebody, and it doesn't matter if it's yoga, if, if it's Tai Chi, if it's Shaolin, if it's Okinawan Karate, or um, Aikido, I have a lot of people that tell me, well, Aikido wasn't founded on that. Well, the founder, Morii Ueshiba, he knew about karate. He had studied karate. He traveled to China, and he spent a number of years training with Bagua, an internal Chinese martial artist. When he came back, that was when he developed Aikido. And that was when all the magic started, that the, the Japanese were amazed at what he could do. But that's where this philosophy comes from. Now this is why Albert Pike said that. The absolute can only exist as two gods. That god that he's talking about is actually a pagan god called Janus. It's the two-faced god. Light on one side, dark on the other. Now this is what I love. God's Word tells us, this then is the message, <clears throat> the glad tidings which we have heard of Him. This is what Christ came to reveal to us. That God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Now, you know what's neat? How many people in here have ever looked up the word darkness? I had never looked up darkness. Mean, I'm like, I know what darkness is. One day when I was doing this research, God was like, look that word up. Well, I looked up the word darkness, and you know what it is in Greek? It means a twisting of the light. It means it's not clear anymore. The path is not straight. It's, it's like an arrow that's been bent. It's an illusion. You know, one of the if you ever go to the fair, which I'm not recommending it, but if you've ever been there, they've got those mirrors and you walk by it and it makes you look really short or it makes you look really fat or it makes you look really tall. That's because they're bending and twisting the reflection of light. God does not do that. God does not twist light. Light is pure. Light means righteousness. <clears throat> righteousness means <clears throat> it's perfect. It's absolutely clear and perfect. That's our God. And that's what he says we are to be in him. Now here's some of the yin and yang that are used today. Sprite uses it. Sobe Drinks uses it. Pepsi has used it for forever, and they only recently have changed the logo. Because if you look now at the yin and yang, there was actually another form of it that was called the tomo. And it was, instead of being two circles in union, it was three circles. That one they're using more now because we have come to that point in time. And we'll go into that a little bit farther. The recycle symbol. Um, Norton. Computer. I don't even want to get into the computers. We could talk all day about some things that are there. <clears throat> the purpose for this is to bring all the world together in one. Satan knows 
If he's going to appear as Christ, which we know that, he has to have everybody under his banner. You have to get the Jews and the Christians and the Catholics and the Muslims, and you have to get the largest population, the Hindus, the Buddhists, and the Taoists. They have to be brought into union and agreement as one. Now, people will tell me, well, you're, you're, you're really digging for that. And I was like, well, do you want to know something interesting? The Catholic Encyclopedia has the Buddha listed as one of their saints. I looked them up online on the Catholic Encyclopedia, their official website. He's called Saint Josephat, and he is the Buddha. They've already accepted him and sainted him. The Pope says we're all worshiping the same God. That's Pope John Paul. Do you see what's on his mitre? A hexagram. Six-pointed star. So the Orthodox Jews are going to say, he's on our team. Even if I can't speak his language, he's wearing our insignia, and we know what that means. It's the joining of heaven and earth, the joining of flesh and spirit. And if you look closely, it actually has a dot in the center. Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and she has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. I know that Babylon is Rome, but I also think that's a very limited view of it. We talked yesterday about there being two mysteries in the Bible. What are those two mysteries? The mystery of iniquity and the mystery of godliness. Tomorrow we're really going to look at those. But it says here that Babylon, there's two cities mentioned in Scripture over and over again as well. Jerusalem and Babylon. Jerusalem, which is above, is the mother of us all. I'm not so much worried about the one in the Middle East. I think there's going to be signs that are going to happen there to let us know but I'm not so much concerned about that one as that one. But it says Babylon, that's the capital of this world, has become the habitation of devils. If we are the temple of the living God, Satan says, my people will be my temple. And it says she has become the hold of every foul spirit. That means unclean. I want to tell you before we get into this, I'm not going to show you a lot of the pictures. There's a lot of the slides. It's, it's hard to look at. Um, if you're ever doing research on yoga, I strongly encourage you, pray, pray, pray before you start doing the research. Because if you type yoga in on Google you're going to find 90% of the images that you see in every advertisement are going to be sensual and immoral. And what amazes me is, and I wish I could have had time to show it, when you look at how yoga is portrayed here in the U.S., 
Do you know what they show you 99% of the time? They don't show you uh, women that are trying to lose weight. They don't show you little old ladies. They show you women that are in their 20s or 30s that have this perfect figure eight and they're wearing skin tight clothes or very little clothing at all. And I laugh at that because if you look at yoga, where it came from, you primarily don't see the women doing it. There's a few. It's primarily a man's world. And when you look at the Hindu gurus, these men that the world looks up to as being the masters and grandmasters of, of yoga, they're nasty. I mean, most of them are nasty. They're, it's filthiness. People that I know that have gone on the mission field in India, they say, if you want to know if someone has really been converted, the one thing you'll be able to notice above every other is their house is clean. There's many of the Hindu people that will say, oh, I'll accept Jesus, and they'll take Jesus, a statue of him, and they'll put him on the shelf with the other 50 statues they have of other gods, and their house stays filthy. It's a filthy religion. It is filthy and nasty and unclean. For all nations, all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Fornication, immorality, illicit union, idolatry. And listen to this, this is amazing. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Make a note of that. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her perversities." Do you know what the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians? He says, don't you know that a man that is joined to a harlot becomes one flesh? One flesh. If you are joined to a harlot, you become one flesh. God said, come out of her so you don't be a partaker of her flesh of her life, of sin. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject something here. We talked about this at the Michigan camp meeting. Um, it, it'll be all right. When a man and a woman, and it doesn't matter what age, I mean, now there's, there's in public school systems in the north and in some of the larger cities, there are children in fourth grade that are being caught doing immoral things that I never even knew existed, okay, in school. When a man is joined to a woman sensually, and it does not have to be through the, the actual act, do you understand? It can be through kissing. Kissing is a union. That's why the Bible, you know, or when we take our vows, our marriage vows, what does the pastor say to the man? You may now 
kiss the bride. You mean I haven't been kissing her for the 12 months before? No. To kiss is a union. To hold hands is a union. When a man and a woman become joined, there is a soul tie that is formed between them. And I know this from personal experience. I know people that have called me and they'll say, I need help and I can't get any answers. And I'm like, what's wrong? Um, I've been married for 30 years and I still have dreams about some girl in college. And the first thing that I ask, because I know, is I say, were you immoral? Did you participate in immorality with her? Did you sleep with her? Did you fool around with her? And they'll go, yeah, but we didn't go all the way. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. If you desired her in your heart, Jesus said, you already committed adultery. You were already joined. And I'll tell you something scary. If you've lusted over someone in a picture or on the television or on the computer screen, that same union can take place spiritually even though you've never talked to them or seen them in person. If that is, is there. When that soul tie is formed, let's say that the man has been with five women before he met you, young ladies, okay? Let's say you meet this man at church and, and he's the greatest guy in the world or you meet him somewhere and he, he's nice and you really like him, he treats you good, and you don't know it, but he's been to bed with five women before you. He's been joined to five other people. That means part of him was left with them and part of them is in him. And now you marry him, guess what? You are now joined to the five women that he was joined to. And if one of those women had an abortion, or if one of those women was involved in witchcraft, or if one of those women had a demonic spirit of lust or of anger or of hate or of bitterness, those fallen angels now have legal rights to you. Satan is using sensuality and immorality to join the whole world. And what's the good news is, is that it takes one prayer to break every tie. It takes one prayer. And if you've ever been there, trust me, if I could go back and redo my life, because when I was young, 14 through 24, I didn't, I didn't care about morality or God at all. If I could do anything, I would go back and say, I wish I could have been like my wife. When my wife and I got married, I was the only man she had ever been with in any way. And I think, do you know what that is like when a woman who has never been with a man and a man who has never been with a woman, when they come together and make a union, you will never be able to tear them apart. When he kisses that bride for the first time on their wedding day, He's not comparing what she kissed like 
to 20 other women he's kissed? I mean, you know what it felt like the first time you kissed somebody? Imagine if that was on your wedding day. You're like, fireworks. You couldn't pull somebody like that away from their wife. That's what God intended. Now, if you're like me and you've messed up in the past, don't let that bother you. Don't let it discourage you. Go to the Lord, confess it, and claim the blood of Christ. Because Christ's blood does not just forgive. It cleanses from all unperfection. The moment you believe it, if you're not a virgin, you become one. God's Word says so. According to current demographics, I want you to listen. We just read where the merchants of this world have waxed rich through her delicacies, what, what she was giving people to eat. There are more than 650 million practitioners of martial arts, tai chi, and yoga worldwide. 650 million people that are involved in these arts. According to a recent USA Today study, yoga has grown to be a $27 billion industry with an estimated 20 million yoga practitioners in the United States alone. $27 billion. You go to any Walmart or Target and you will find almost an entire aisle of yoga paraphernalia. You couldn't do that 15 years ago. Why? Why is Satan working so hard to make this so popular? Yoga has become one of the fastest growing health and fitness activities in the world. Is there more to this art than what we've been led to believe? And why are we now seeing these arts being brought into Christian churches of every denomination? These arts. We have Seventh-day Adventist pastors that are fifth degree and fourth degree and seventh degree black belts, teaching this and promoting it. And they don't know. So how do we change that? We send the information out. You go online and look up the Dragon Revealed. We've got all of Amazing Discovery series is online for free. There was a five-part series we did with them last year. The Dragon Revealed Part 1 is online for free. Part 4 is online for free. Our website with all the information is there. Send it to your pastors. Send it to the church board. Get the church board email list. Send it to everybody on there. Just say, it's food for thought. I hope you'll be blessed in considering this. Yoga has become mainstream. Time Magazine... YMCA's. How about Yogi Tea? How many people in here drink Yogi Tea? I mean, most of us have bought Yogi Tea sometime in our life. Have you ever turned the box over to read the Hindu proverbs and blessings that are all over it? When you look on Yogi's black chai tea, it's a picture of Ganesh. It's a Hindu god. It looks like half man and half elephant. 
It's a God. God's word said, yes ma'am, the one in the middle. God's word said, don't even make mention of these pagan gods, let alone buy them and bring them into our homes. This one on the right startled me. Yoga mom, Buddha baby. The yoga workout for new moms. What do you think happens to that child that's in its mother's womb while she's training in yoga? That baby comes out already under the influence of evil spirits. Baby Om. There's a lot of people that are wearing this jewelry now. It has this Hindu symbol on it. That's what the symbol means is Om. That's the sound that you hear people when they're meditating. That sound is a mantra. When you use that sound, it is said that it channels the spirits of Hinduism. When they hear that sound, it's like you ringing the bell and saying, Doors open, would you all please come help? We're inviting you. You're asking for them to come into your home. Then you have this small one down here, stretching young minds for stronger bodies. They're bringing this into schools, public school systems across the world right now. They're doing it as PE, doing it in Adventist schools as well. Now, let's get to what the word yoga means. Yoga literally means to yoke or to be or bring into union. Yoga means the union with Brahma or the union of the little ego self with the divine self. Hindus don't believe in Jehovah. They do not worship Jesus Christ. So what God do you think they're bringing you into union with? Yoga is primarily a spiritual discipline. Now, a lot of people will, will tell me, they'll say, well, I just do hatha yoga. That's just where we do the poses and we stretch. According to the Hindus, the gurus, they say on their own websites, on interviews, they tell you, you cannot do yoga physically without invoking the spirits. The moment you start doing the poses, the demons show up. That's what the poses are there for. Every one of those poses, the uh, cobra pose and the snake pose and the sun pose, those poses are there as a, a mudra. It's like a hand symbol, only you're doing a symbol with your body that is invoking spirits to come and empower you. When I was in the martial arts, we did forms or kata. The ancient forms and kata that we did, one of the last grandmasters I trained under told me, he said, if you'll look at the ancient forms, not the newer ones, the ones that the grandmasters invented, the founders, every pose had nothing to do with combat. I mean, I would be in a stance and you would do a block like this and you would do this and you'd think, man, I would never do this in a fight. Why, Why am I doing these motions? 
And he told me, he said, every pose was an invocation for a spirit to come and empower you. That's why these men and these black belts, they would go through and they would do a, a form. And it doesn't even have to be a fast form. I mean, it could be done in three minutes. And they would get finished and they'd be sweating and full of energy, quote, unquote. They had been empowered by going through these motions. Now, in yoga, there may be a feeling of strength, but what those spirits are invoking is a spirit of peace, of tranquility. And people go, well, what's wrong with that? Well, the problem is, is that you do a lot of deep breathing, you're doing mantras, you're doing these chants, and what happens is, is it turns the frontal lobe off. You go into alpha state. So for the first 30 minutes to an hour of a class, you are being primed. Once you go into alpha state, then the instructor starts talking about philosophy. And the mind is open. The guard is down. And you don't even realize it. This is one of the old Hindu gurus. He said, each soul is potentially divine. The goal is to manifest this divinity within by controlling nature, external and internal. He's talking about your nature. Remember in the Bible it says by the word of God, by his promises, we are made partakers of the divine nature. He says through controlling what's already inside you, you can manifest this divinity from within. Do this either by work or worship or by psychic control or philosophy. By one or more or all of these and be free. For this is the whole of religion. This is Mori Ayueshiba, the founder of Aikido. Listen to what he says. Each and every master regardless of the error or place, heard the call and attained harmony with heaven and earth. There are many paths leading to the top of Mount Fuji, but there is only one summit, that is love. You watch some of the commercials that the current Pope is putting out right now, high-definition commercials. You go online and type in on YouTube, Roman Catholic commercials. It'll bring up commercials that are being done now that are unreal, high quality. And they're saying the exact same thing. It doesn't matter whether you're a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Muslim or Christian or Catholic. It's all about love. Well, we know what love is. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. Everyone has a spirit that can be refined, a body that can be trained, in some manner, a suitable path to follow. You are here to realize your inner divinity and to manifest your innate enlightenment. That's, I mean, that's scary. People will say, no, martial arts aren't spiritual. Listen to what he says. The art of peace that I practice has room for each of the world's eight million gods. 
and I cooperate with them all. He was the little old man that I told you all about yesterday that in his 80s could barely walk, but once he started throwing people, he became filled with this energy and he would stand up and, and do what you see him doing there. He would raise his hand in front of an attacker and they would be flipped completely backwards off their feet. The God of peace is very great and enjoins all that is divine and enlightened in every land. Now listen to what he says. He says the divine is not something high above us. It is in heaven, it is in earth, it is inside us. He does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way, truth, and life. So how can he be correct? This is what the Shaolin Grandmaster's textbook says on the opening page. The spirit of the dragon dwells deep inside each of us, waiting to reveal itself to those who would have it come out. That's the opening page. I bought this book because the last Grandmaster I trained under, he had an extensive library and he was... He was working with me. He wanted me to be able to take that position one day. And he told me, you need to buy this book. I was like, yes, sir. I bought it and started reading through there. And I was like, this is amazing what's here. And I look back now and I think, what was I doing? With pity, Jesus has seen how his human agencies have been blinded by the deception of the enemy, and have become victims of satanic cruelty. He has seen how Satan has exalted men simply for the purpose of casting them down. How he has flattered them in order to draw them into his net and destroy them. He looked upon the schemes by which Satan works to blot from the human soul every trace of the likeness of God. He saw human beings possessed by devils. Jesus saw satanic agencies incorporated with men. He saw the bodies of men become the habitations and the degrading indwelling of demons. Man, made for the dwelling place of God, became the habitation of dragons. This was written by Ellen White in 1895. And look what the Shaolin Temple said. After all the years that I trained in these arts, and I saw what was happening, and I, I, I was seeing it, but I did not understand it. And then the Lord opens your eyes and you go, I was blind, but now I can see. The forces of darkness, listen, this is future, it's today. The forces of darkness will unite with human agents who have given themselves into the control of Satan. And the same scenes that were exhibited at the trial, rejection, 
and crucifixion of Christ will be revived. Through yielding to satanic influences, men will be transformed into fiends. And those who were created in the image of God, who were formed to honor and glorify their Creator, will become the habitation of dragons. And Satan will see in an apostate race his masterpiece of evil, men and women who reflect his own image. Now I want to pause for a minute. There's something I want to share with you. When a student goes into a, a martial arts school, I'm just going to use that as an example to begin with, and they, they start training, it doesn't mean they become possessed. It, it doesn't happen instantly, okay? Um, the devil has to win rights. He has to win rights. He has to get your permission, either through your actions or through your words, to come in. So what he does is he gets us to take small steps. God's Word says don't bow. You show up at the dojo and they say you have to bow to your opponent. You bow before your sensei and you say, I know it says that but it doesn't really mean that to me. And so you wind up bowing. One compromise. And God's Word says don't take your shoes off for pagan gods. And you go in there and you pull your shoes off because you're on the dojo. And it's funny because they'll, they'll find, the devil is good at making excuses. It's the mats. They're expensive mats. We can't have the mats torn up. That's why we take our shoes off. Okay. Have you ever thought about it? When kicking somebody without your shoe on? I'd much rather have my toes protected. It doesn't make logical sense. And plus, it's not like you're going to be on the street and come under attack and all of a sudden you're like, wait, i got to take my shoes off. Right? But if you're used to kicking somebody barefoot, you won't, it won't feel the same. You won't be able to pull your toes back so you can use the ball of the foot in a tennis shoe like you can barefoot. But you compromise. You say, well, I know God's Word says that, but it doesn't really mean that. So one more step. And then Jesus said, if your enemy strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the left. And you go to the dojo or to the Daozhang or to the martial arts studio, and the instructor says, Johnny, your opponent's going to swing a right hook at you like this, and I want you to step back in this stance, and you're going to block. And you do that over and over and over and over. And then he says, okay, now we're going to add something. You're going to step back and block, and then you're going to counter. And you do that over and over and over. And you go to church one day a week, and for 35 minutes, little Johnny's in a class, and they tell him, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And he's going for four hours a week, and they are block and counter, block and counter. And he gets to school one day when he's 12 years old, and somebody comes up, and they swing. What do you think he's going to do? There'll be no conscious thought. 
he'll block and he'll strike back because he's trained his body to do that instinctively. And the devil says, I got you. I got you. Once you get to the point, it does not matter what style it's in, once you get to the point where you are ready to be promoted to black belt or first dawn, first degree, that ceremony in, in traditional martial arts is very different than any other. Even your certificate is different. Even your belt is different. I can remember getting a green belt in, in whatever, in Burmese Bondo or in uh, Kali or whatever. You got a regular belt, just regular size. When you went to get a black belt, that belt was normally much thicker, much wider. Usually it had embroidery that was done on it, something that made it special. Your certificate, instead of being a little piece of paper like this that came out of the copy machine, um, it was more likely to be more expensive paper or parchment paper. And usually it had a seal that was stamped on it once the master signed that certificate. Now, if I was just a second degree black belt and I was promoting somebody to first degree, which you're allowed to do that, you can promote to the rank lower than you, I wouldn't be able to put a stamp on there because I wouldn't be a master. So what I would have to do is go to my master, who's a fifth or sixth degree, and I would want him to come and stamp this man's certificate. Tell me another t place that you get a certificate. Marriage. A marriage certificate. A marriage certificate does what? It tells the world that two have become one. I'll never forget the night that I was promoted uh, to the first black in the Kung Fu system. And when I got there to the school, uh, my wife and family were there. And my wife and I and our children, we pulled up in our car and the grandmaster came out and he got me and he, he had some of the high ranks escort my family in. And my wife is looking at me as she's being escorted, you know, into the, the building. And everybody treated her like she was royalty. That night was different. And we had only had, I think I was the fifth black belt promoted in 30 years. So it wasn't, it took me 14 years in that style. It was not... You didn't pay for it. Our classes were at a, quote, Christian school. Um, you paid a dollar a night for class. They read a Bible verse every night. I mean, literally, they did. They read a Bible verse every night. I don't, I don't doubt their intentions, okay? <clears throat> but what we did and what we said were two different things. And that grandmaster came out and he told me, he said, Eric, he said, tonight's going to be different than any other night you've ever had in your life. He said, I'm going to put you in this other room by yourself. Your family's going to go inside. He said, I want you to sit out here and just meditate until I come and get you. And I said, well, sir, I said, what, what, what's going to make this night different? He said, Eric, he said, you won't understand this now. He said, but one day you will. He said, tonight is more like a marriage than a promotion. Afterward, probably an hour or so later, they came and got me. 
I was escorted in. We walked through this path of fire and not real flames that you're walking on, but they had candles. And, um, and that always struck me too because it talks about the fact that Satan walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. And I thought, is that what those candles are representative of? And um, so I get up to the front and there's a place there on the front. And there's a cross of Jesus behind us. And there's all these warriors and all these other high-ranking, you know, people there. And the Grandmaster sat down, and I sat down across from him. And he, he had a, a, a teapot there. It just had water in it. But he had a teapot there because he didn't believe in drinking alcohol. Normally it would be wine. But he had a teapot there. And he poured from that teapot... One pot, he poured his cup and my cup full from the same pot. And then he said, you drink when I drink. I did not understand until years later what was happening. Jesus said, come unto me and I'll give you living water. The water is spirit. When you become a black belt, you are joined in union with your instructor. And he is joined to his instructor, who is joined to his instructor. And if it's a style that they say is worthy, or if you have got a certificate, what they want is, they want to know, is your lineage legitimate? Can you trace your lineage back to the founder of whatever art it is? And that's very important for the Japanese and the Chinese and the Hindus. And the reason why is because the founder was possessed by a high-level spirit. So if you can trace your lineage all the way back, you're guaranteed that the same spirit that inspired him is the same one that will inspire and empower you. That's a union. And Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, he says, come unto me, all you that are laboring and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. The only one that we are to be joined in union with is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeshua HaMashiach, if you like the Hebrew. He's the only one. We are not to be joined in union with any of these people. Pagan gurus. I hope that this has been a blessing today. I know you guys were expecting me to go over, and I was really working hard not to. <laughs> um, if we have time, I don't know where we're at on time. What time are we? What time are we supposed to end? Oh man, we did good. Praise the Lord. If you have questions, please come by our booth at Little Light Studios. It's number 505. Um, I should be there most of the afternoon today and then you know, tomorrow when we have time and uh, this evening if there's time. Um, I'll be happy to sit and talk with you. Um, but do come by and, and see us over there. And I encourage you, if you have an opportunity, 
to, if you want more information, get one of the sets from the guys at Little Light Studios. And if you can only get one set and you're more interested in what happened, how I got into it and how I got out, and what God did in restoring our family, get the Dragon Revealed, the two-disc set. If you want more information on the dangers, I would recommend probably first the Australian version, even over the AD version, because the AD version, you know, you can watch on YouTube. But the Australian one is about three hours longer and it has much more information on it. Okay. The Lord bless and keep you and we look forward to seeing you guys hopefully later today. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference when all has been heard in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.